concept for ePartrade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for ePartrade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At ePartrade there is no e-commerce, it's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of ePartrade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. ePartrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. Thank you very much for being with us this morning. So hey Francisca, I want to mention about USAC. You know, I remember when they came into the office at PRI 15 years ago. And it has been a joy. I bumped into Kevin about two years ago at a race back in Indy. And to hear all that is going on at USAC, um, we had them on Race Industry Week last year. I didn't feel like Kevin had enough time to explain everything that he's involved in. Um, really has grown USAC. I, I remember that day, Judy. I absolutely do. Um, you know, Kevin was with uh, Mopar at that time, and Steve was a big fan of Kevin, and he came to our office and said, we're going to, going to be running USAC, and we were all surprised. And what a brilliant job he has done in 15 years. He basically transformed that organization, and, uh, and, so, uh, and so we're delighted to have you guys with us, and uh, the one and only Mr. Kevin. How are there you today? Is. Hello, Kevin. Hi, hi guys. Sorry, I, I was a little confused on which link, and I, I, I messed up a little bit. Sorry about that. That's okay, we're all here. Very so good. Let's so, it off to Mr. Hammond. Jeff, you're ready for another. I'm hour? ready. Excellent. Thank I'm ready for much. another hour. I took a deep breath, and we're ready to get her done. Good morning, everyone. Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Hi, good morning, Laura. Hi, Preston. You gotta take your mute off there, partner. Oh yeah, I'm 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 unmuted just that way there's no background noise for you. <laughs> okay. Hi all welcome each and every one of you. I mean it's a, if it's an honor and a privilege to get a chance to have such a great group that has been involved in in really making 
a lot of things great for many, many years. And who wants to lead off here and, and kind of bring us up to speed of what's going on with USAC? I'll take that, uh, Jeff. So, um, you know, USAC's been around since 1956. Um, we've mm-hmm. kind of run the gamut on sanctioning different types of series. We had the largest road racing program in 1958 to 1962. We've, of course, sanctioned IndyCar racing from uh, 1956 to the late 90s. Um, and we've kind of become known as sprint cars and midgets in the dirt. Uh, but what's interesting, we've, we've been really through a, a revolution of our, of our business over the last five or six years. Uh, we've expanded into new segments of motorsports, including rally racing, which Preston now is uh, leading the American Rally Association, which we own and operate. Uh, Todd is um, operating international snowmobile racing another division of USAC uh, that uh, Todd is, is running. Uh, we also launched and kicked off the Porsche Sprint Challenge, which is a road racing program under the Porsche uh, platform. We kicked that off here in 2021. So beyond owning those series, we also sanctioned multiple series, including Robbie Gordon and the stadium trucks, the SR Road, Road Challenge, uh, Ultra Four, King of the Hammers, uh, the Red Bull Scramble Series, um, Core and Gas Short Course Truck Series. So we're a, a very diverse sanctioning body. In fact, um, for 2022, two new properties that USAC will sanction will be the Road to Indy program and uh, the NRX Rallycross program. So uh, our, our, our view of a sanctioning body has really broadened in the last five or six years. Uh, and Laura, as part of that glue that holds us together with her insurance background in motorsports, she's our risk manager. And the glue to a sanctioning body is insurance because you have a lot of risk in motorsports. And we are insuring probably uh, several hundred events a year and 20 to 30,000 participants. It sounds to me like it's almost overwhelming, Todd. I mean, it's the uh... The idea, I thought that when I think about USAC, I was always kind of like in the belief that you guys were like the gold standard when it comes to a sanctioning body, you know, for a governing group of people who care about all forms of motorsport. And, you and you, you know, you started that way and you continue, it sounds like. Now the blanket is not just, I'm just going to use a loose term. You're not just working with 10 or 12 organizations. It's expanding each and every year. And uh, where does it stop? I mean, really, where, where does it stop? Where is, you know, do you guys see yourselves continue to embrace other sanctioning? You know, I mean, I was blown away when I read about the idea of uh, snowmobiles and USAC, for example. Yeah, it, it is interesting. So, you know, once, once we kind of um, came to a realization that what we do at a core uh, can be expanded to other groups and mm-hmm. it, it, it's working. And so we're kind of doubling down on that in 2022. We're, we're going to start a digital transformation of USAC. We've really stepped up the back end and how we service other people. Um, for example, with SRO or even Road to Indy, we're working with them on their back end of how, they, how people enter events, um, how they license for the, for the competition because those processes are very important 
for, for risk protection of signing waivers, uh, making sure you're doing everything properly, having accurate records. So those foundational principles of what you do for one series normally applies to multiple series. And so what we're, we're at, at doing right now at USAC is looking at everything we do, making sure it's fit for today from a legal aspect, from a risk management aspect, and then digitizing it and making it user-friendly to fit masses of people. And uh, we've done that, but we feel like we wanna stay ahead of the curve and make sure that everything we do, maybe we're computer friendly now, we wanna be mobile friendly tomorrow. Um, so everything we're doing is constantly being evaluated. How, how can we better ourselves to service the needs of rally racers under Preston or some of the racers under Todd? Um, so from a sanctioning perspective, we are trying to become better service providers. That may include timing scoring services. It may include race directors. It may include um, safety personnel of series that may need um, additional resources and help. For example, timing scoring, it seems like every weekend we're looking for timing scoring people. And uh, mm -hmm. in timing scoring itself is fast changing. Um, in many races now <clears throat> where you wouldn't talk about this three years ago, but I can see quickly evolving to GPS-based timing scoring. For rally systems, uh, we're already pretty much there. It's hard to put a loop into a, a track at many dirt tracks. Um, if you go to a good road course, they may have five loops in a track. Well, with GPS, you can go to virtual loops. You could have infinite loops. And those, that data that you collect back is, is very valuable and what it could provide other racers long-term. So those services that we're bundling right now, working on and trying to be more efficient, we can then offer to, to more people. Now along that same line um, of the services you provide, and you, you mentioned Laura, how she helps to keep the, the, the legal part of it, whatever, however you put it together. Does this also include, and let's, I'm mean, sure this is the elephant in the room, the COVID process. I mean, does USAC have a COVID process a lot like what NASCAR does? And if people come to you, uh, do y'all have that in place where it's easy for somebody to to implement it or put it put it in play, you know, under your banner? Yeah. We, we, we actually did create, and we were quick to the market with this last, last May, we created a, a, a three-step a phase, a three-phase plan for the state of Indiana went to the governor's office with it, uh, actually was approved and we were back racing in Indiana June 14th of 2020 during COVID um, with that three-step phase plan. So we took that plan, modified it for all of the sanctioning partners, including again, Rally and, and some of your racing um, with COVID waivers that we put in place. Uh, and that ran, ran its course throughout 2020 and a little bit in 2021, Preston, I believe uh, uh, in rally, you guys still use that, some of that, that at times, but uh, we, we have put that in place and it's pretty much starting to phase out at this point. So Laura, you got anything you can add to that as far as, you know, your involvement uh, with keeping USAC and all the different organizations that uh, are under that banner, because as we all know, um, racing is dangerous. 
a lot of these motorsports and, and types of things are are very dangerous. And being able to protect those, I'm gonna call it different divisions or uh, series with the USAC banner being attached to it. How do you go about doing that? Well, I think um, first and foremost, the management at USAC is very different. And let's face it, safety insurance risk management is all a very boring piece of the racing industry. But um, who I report to, whether it's Preston on ARA or you know Kevin overall, they're very supportive of doing what's best. Um, it's our job because so many people are coming to USAC and whether it's a, a race team or a series, it's our job to give them trust and peace of mind. And I think that if you had leadership that was not behind the safety and the risk management portion, it would be a lot more difficult. It's very easy with USAC. Well, I want to say I appreciate you being on because I think there's a lot of people maybe have tuned in to get more information as how they need to maybe, I mean, they may be looking to even want to join USAC. And I think, you know, the ability that that uh, Kevin and yourself and Preston will be able to, you know, share with over the remainder of this, uh, of this hour uh, may influence them to want to maybe, you know, reach out to y'all because I think that's the one thing in my experiences with local tracks or, or local series is that big insurance question. I mean, it's just, uh, the liabilities of even starting something sometimes are are one of the biggest concerns. And Kevin and and Laura, are you the are you the folks that you know want to hear from these uh, organizations? That you can you are you willing once again to expand and embrace them? Yeah, and that's what our, we're setting our business up to do. And and unfortunately, motorsports insurance is at a crossroads where you know increased risk. Um, increased tort laws, uh, liability in the United States have really pressured insurance, motorsports insurance. W additionally, a lot of uh, the participant accident insurance in motorsports has always been um, the, an excess policy. You know, you're paying $50 for a license and it's excess to your primary. There's been a, a big shift in the last few years of primary insurance companies declining coverage for motor motor motorsports accidents. So, um, Laura, do you want to expand on, on, on some of that? Yeah, I think it's really difficult. Um, racers want to focus on what's fun and the insurance side of it or what's going to happen to me after the accident is, uh, it's not something that they really want to focus on. But um, participant accident is something that Kevin has always pushed and wanted to, to protect the folks that are racing with USAC. Um, I, I do not blame the series for joining um, where there is such a, a powerful master um, program going on. Um, we, we have seen a lot more of the health insurance on the individual pushing back because it's a, a race incident. So the levels of participant accident coverage have to be high enough to really help the families out. Um, I am not a health insurance expert. I really need to figure out why this is all going on because years ago we used to just be excess, um, the deductible, the out of pocket, but um, there are carriers right now that are making it more difficult on the racer. So that's one of the things I, I really hoped that we could work 
through with some of our series and, and drivers is let's look at your policies and see what's going on. Let's see what, you know, before the accident happens, let's see what position you would be in because the racing sanction only provides X amount. So let's know that going in um, versus finding it out after the accident. And As I said earlier, you know, we have uh, a lot of people right now on with us. And again, if you have a question for any of these folks, please don't hesitate to ask that question because now is the time to get the answers. And that's what they're here for. I mean, I really appreciate y'all coming on and uh, spending some time with us and, and getting us updated about where USAC is and what direction they're going into. And uh, Kevin, if you want to continue to uh, uh, kind of focus on, you know, anything that you want to make sure we get out there today, please do. I mean, I got a few questions more I'm going to ask myself, but I'd rather you um, kind of lead this thing and uh, sure. tell us, uh, tell us what's, what's happening next. Well, I, you know, I, I kind of let Todd speak here a little bit. Todd, Todd was the president of international swimmer racing and the owner, quite frankly, of mm -hmm. ISR, which is about 140 uh, different races a year, 40 different organizations that race. It's kind of a master sanctioning body. And we actually started working with Todd, I believe around 2016. And we ended up acquiring, uh, I believe in 2018, we acquired the property and Todd has, has hung in there as the president. So Todd, maybe you could explain the evolution of how ISR uh, started seeing a struggle on the insurance side uh, of the business and protecting events and um, the relationship and how it, how it came about and how we kind of revolutionized snowmobile racing from that perspective. Well, and but ISR has been around for 40 years. And before I purchased ISR, I was an affiliate of ISR since about 2001. So I've been in the ISR things for about 20 years now. And when I purchased it, one of the, one of the problems that we had is we had uh, increased insurance costs liability wise uh, to the events. And, and it was going up in like 30% increments. So basically, since I deal with the real grassroots, I want to say Alliance Club event and snowmobile racing to the stadium events, um, it was really hard to, to try to keep everybody going when the increases were that high. And that's when I reached out to Kevin through a mutual sponsor. Uh, I think that was around 2013 when I purchased it there. We couldn't get insurance anymore. And that was a big part of the whole game. And by working with them now, we actually cut the insurance to 50% of what we were doing. And we've had minimal increases now for the last six years. So uh, I get together with over 40 affiliates every year. And the first thing out of their mouth is, are we gonna be able to afford to do this again? And so when we, when we come up with these ideas and, uh, and implement them, you know, that's, that's been the great thing for, for our partnership or are now merging with USAC is the fact that it's basically taken us forward with technology uh, on online waiver systems and, and licensing programs and, and that it, it's been really good. Yeah, and it's been a challenge, you know, some of the racing, when you have 4,000 riders and you're racing all over the, all of the country, I mean, accidents happen uh, and, and mm -hmm. they're not infrequent and things do happen. Some of the racing that, that much like motorcycle racing. So the risk is there and 
we've been able to manage it with Todd. Now I give Todd a lot of credit here that Todd through his, some of his meetings um, that they do annually with the race directors, there's a lot of implement, a lot of rules that, that ISR as a master sanctioning body, ISR has many rules that, that look at safety. For example, um, you have to have orange colored helmets. Todd, why don't you explain some of the rules? I, I really like what you did there. And, and, and most of the, of, of those rules, I always, I tell this in the meetings, you know, they're, they're in the book because it happened. <laughs> and, and so, and, and we've just implemented all the way through and, and, you know, we manage that rule book and, and we enforce the rule book. And, and that was one thing I was proud of when I took it over was there were some gray areas in there and we tried to clean a lot of stuff up. If, if you can't have a rule, if you, if you can't enforce it. And, and um, so, but, but safety wise, uh, a lot of them rules were there and we've just worked on them and, and, and added to them. Uh, for instance, you got to have 144 inches of orange on your front and your back, high visibility helmets, uh, chest protectors because we run studded tracks. Uh, so the penetration uh, of the stud through some type of a chest protector has to be thick enough to cover that. Um, shin pads, elbow pads, uh, it, but like Laura was saying, you know, the racer wants to race but uh, he doesn't necessarily think about sliding across the ice and his elbows and his knees. And, and uh, we had a little bit on the last segment with the, with the fire suits, you know? And uh, so our main thing that, that we've done really good at was just bringing everybody together and educating them all so that it's the same from New York to Wyoming, to, to Winnipeg, to Belcour, uh, you know, it's all the same set of rules and, and it's been, it's been even easier for me to maintain now that we can reach out to these race and tech directors and everybody's implementing the same thing. And a lot of the programs that Kevin came up with working on the backside, we have some uh, uh, USAC red flag, for instance, it's a way that we can communicate if there is an injury or an incident at, at any event, and it goes directly to the insurance company, Laura sees them. And that has a lot to do with our personal accident claims also that there it's a direct line and you don't have the paperwork stall in between. I think we know some of the grassroots uh, events where uh, where are those waivers or, or did anybody even sign a waiver? And that is something that, that we've worked very, very hard on. And that goes back to being able to maintain the insurance at the levels we do for the cost that we do. Well, and much yeah. to Todd's credit on that, he's been amazing to work with because if I dissect where the accidents are happening and are they happening within a certain age group, which venue and why, he's very um, proactive in getting the course to change or maybe taking some of the younger sledders out of a situation where there was repetitive events. So when I said earlier, it's just a lot easier to manage the risk side when you have leadership that really understands it. Todd, um, a with a few years of just really looking at the losses and how and where they were happening, we were able to mitigate many of them because he just re reconstructed. Yeah, and, and at the same time, uh, when we talk about insurance, the same, there's two sides of that insurance equation. And that is, we, we've been kind of talking about participant protection but there's also event protection, meaning it protect the event overall. And, uh, and, and I'll bring in Preston here because uh, again, another acquisition we made in the last few years was rally racing. 
And historically, rally racing in the country has had its ups and downs of, of their risk. And it's very critical when you're running uh, the cars, the, the you know, Travis Crown and Ken Block running on the public, public access roads. Um, and they're running uh, at speeds that are you know, spectacular. And, and there are fan areas, fan areas on that course the potential for risk of somebody getting injured and then trying to sue that event uh, is, is fairly large. So we have to mitigate that risk as much as possible. So Preston, why don't you talk about the rally side because that's really the liability side of the business that we're, we're exposed to. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, Jeff, thanks for having us on and Kevin, thanks for that question. Um, you know, rally is kind of in a unique situation uh, where we're racing on what is usually open public roads. And so maintaining a closed course and, and of course, the liability and risk mitigation with that is a, a pretty unique challenge compared to other motorsports where it is happening, say, in a stadium or, or within, uh, you know, course itself. So, um, you know, the great thing about working with USAC and, and certainly Laura and Kevin and the team is their approach to each series is, is individualized. So, you know, a lot of working with Laura is her understanding the sport of rally as a whole and, and really the unique challenges we have, you know, whether it's bannering marshals, we have a set of course opening cars that are kind of our first eyes on the road um, that actually work with our team because they are seeing the course as the race is happening and able to give us information um, for where there may be extra risk that we need to pay attention to. So really the, the approach with Laura is, is leading up to the events and working on safety plans and, and the information coming from them as far as what they're going to be looking for, not only from the insurance's standpoint uh, for risk and liability, but then also from the participant safety. Because um, at the end of the day, yes, we need to mitigate the risk, but um, a lot of these races are friends of mine. So obviously we want to make sure we can uh, keep them safe and, and uh, keep them racing. So there's a, there's a common message so Kevin, here. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say, Kevin, you know, what I'm hearing here from snowmobile racing to rally racing to all the different things that USAC is, I'm, I'm going to say, umbrellaed under. Where, how big of a team do you have? How do you delegate who's going where? Because, I mean, there's four of you I'm looking at right now. There's got to be a pretty big size organization here that we're talking about with USAC so that you, Laura, can feel comfortable that, you know, we've, we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's in Spokane, Washington. And, and Preston is, you know, over here and Todd is getting ready to go someplace in, in Colorado <laughs> to run a snowmobile race from Canada. You know, how do you how do you manage all that? I mean, how how many people have you got working for USAC? Well, the. The, the core of USEC today is relatively small, probably uh, 25 to less than 30 people. Um, mm -hmm. And it, But as we expand, um, we have great leadership, people like Todd and Summerbills and Preston and, and, and Rally. We have different uh, clusters of our business. Our Porsche series has Randy Hembry leading that. Um, uh, Jason Smith kind of heads up the off-road segment of our business. Um, you know, uh, Levi Jones, who just departing us now going to IndyCar, um, has been leading our circle track portion of our business. Every cluster of our business has a leader, and that leader then has 
for the most part, contract staff, people that come in and operate races on a weekend basis, not full-time. Um, but the glue behind all of that is the technology that we put in place to keep all that together, to ensure that the foundation is strong. So our success and growth over the last five, six years has been building that foundation that others now rely on, and it's attracted more business to us. Um, when we, we launched the Porsche series, Porsche actually called USAC and said, hey, we're, we're going to start a new series. Are you guys interested? We're like, you know, they should have called the right place. Um, and, and so, but they, they actually said, hey, look, we, we know what you do with SRO Road Challenge. We know what you do as far as how you are, uh, you're doing the entry systems, you're doing the license systems, you're doing the protection, you're helping them with the competition side. We like that. And so we then we work with Porsche to develop and launch a new series in 2021, which has been pretty successful. And we're now doubling that series to, um, to a West Coast uh, regional series next year that will launch at Laguna in April. So it's having the, the systems in place to allow us to expand and give us that, that scale that we need to go to Spokane, Washington, have a race and feel good about the protection of that race. As a sanctioning body, we're, we're only as strong as the insurance companies that are grounded and partnered with us and the, the waiver processes that we haven't put in place um, to make sure that we're protected long-term because, you know, in the U.S., uh, the, the tort industry is pretty, uh, pretty open and uh, there's a lot of challenges when people get hurt or threatened uh, they're quick to go to the court system to try and, and, and make sure that they feel good about their outcome. Um, we have to, we, we're protecting motorsports in general at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, with that being said, we're starting to get some questions here, uh, group. And, you know, this question kind of touches with Laura, Kevin, you know, and what they're asking is for a smaller grassroots motorsport event organizer with just two events a year doing timed off-road time trials with 100 to 130 competitors uh what is what are the uh, minimum maximum insurance parameters that we should, parameters that we should be looking at and how can we best manage our risk to minimize our liabilities now with that being said i'm sure hopefully we got more organizations that are going to be listening to your response but is that something you can explain real quickly here or should they just reach out to you after we after we get done here because again i'm not well, I'm not I, trying I to put you on a, spot, but it's, I'm no, sure that's there, what the question is. There, I think there's a generic answer here that, that you know, okay. if somebody just called and said, what do I need as a base? Um, the, it, one, it depends on where you're racing. Are you racing on public property, on government property? So the standards mm -hmm. of what you're going to need on the general liability side will vary. At a minimum, any property should have a million dollars of general liability coverage. Um, every racetrack that USAC operates at on the sprint car midget side, we require them to have a billion dollars of their own general liability. On top of that, USAC carries a $4 million excess policy on top of that, just in case something, you know, something dramatic happened. Um, so at a local level, any event, if you're in motorsports, any event needs to have at least a million dollars of coverage um, on the liability. On the participant side, because they kind of go hand in hand. If a participant, participant gets hurt, the one protection from, from, uh, for the event side 
is to have a participant accident program in place that helps prevent people from suing the event. So if a participant gets hurt, even though they sign waivers saying, hey, I know I'm taking a risk here. I'm running the, mo- you know, I'm a racer. I get it. I'm taking a risk. I'll sign my waiver. Doesn't mean people don't get hurt. And then when they do, they forget about that waiver. They forget about anything they signed and they're looking to get help. And so the first thing we do is we really coach any series we work with is to have that participant help plan. Even though it's excess medical and the, and the licenses may be 50 to $100, $200 a year, that puts a buffer because if somebody gets a small injury, even break an arm, a trip to the, to the hospital, that, that buffer will protect them from coming back and trying to, to uh, attack the liability of the event. So we, we coach a lot of smaller groups. Make sure you have your general liability in place. Make sure you have participant accident insurance in place of you know twenty five to fifty thousand dollars because that doesn't go very far when you go to the hospital. So, Lori, do you want to add to that? Yeah. Well, I think that what Preston said earlier is really key as well. Um, everybody at USAC who's leading any of the series or there from the um, race official standpoint, they're all friends. They don't want to see their friends struggle at the time of an incident. So the really great thing about USAC is there, that is um, the participant accident, as Kevin said, is a deterrent for the liability claim to happen, but it's also goodwill coverage. It's also, we don't want to see our um, members, our participants struggling at the time to meet their deductible, their coinsurance. Um, so that help is, uh, I, I know that a lot of the series directors that I talk to are, they feel much better that they can offer that as the family members really worried as the ambulance is going away that our series have at different levels have good coverage in place. Well, and, and I can speak to that, speak to that a little bit as well, you know, so within the rally series, we have big national events, you know, upwards of over a hundred cars and, and, you know, 200 plus participants um, all the way down to small regional races with, you know, 10, 15 cars mm-hmm. and 20 or 30 participants. And, and, you know, I mentioned earlier kind of the catered approach that uh, the USAC team really takes and making sure that the coverage makes sense depending on what the event is and, and also making uh, sure that it's, it's reasonable so that, um, you know, yes, the national events tend to have a bit larger budget. And so we can do different things with insurance. Um, but if we took the same approach for even smaller events, uh, then that it may price them out of the market, which is not something we want to do. And I don't know if you're seeing some of these questions were being asked, but uh, Edward uh, has made a comment here about, you know, he assumed the insurance coverage would be like a three-part need. First, medical coverage for drivers. Second, being issue that uh, things happen at the track and third coverage would be spectator issues. And he's guessing that, you know, which is you guys have touched on that most domestic insurance carriers, you know, are few and far between that are willing to, you know, to, you know come in and cover these types of events. And is there a non-admitted proprietary Lloyd's program that can be put together? And I know each and every day that's probably part of y'all's challenge is coming up with the next plausible way to make this more affordable, but yet still maintain a, you know, a good and reasonable coverage for the participants or the spectators in the event of a, of a, of a wreck or a tragedy. 
Yeah, and that's that kind of all that kind of falls with that general liability uh, standpoint. Laura, why don't you uh, comment on the shifting changes in, in insurance on that? So the bottom line is the question was, is there a Lloyd's program? And there are Lloyd's programs um, and domestic programs. There, there are a lot less this year than there were a few years ago. Um, the problem with getting Lloyd's involved, I've been to London several times. They do not like liability in the United States because we are the most litigious country. Um, so it's, you know, you'd have to have a really great relationship and stellar books to show to get that program up and running. Um, a lot of times people worry about claims being handled um, on the, with anything from Lloyd's, but as long as you have a good intermediary to handle those claims, that's great. But again, it's just, it's difficult um, due to the, the legal climate here in the US. So right now, um, that is definitely something that we work on constantly. It's, uh, <laughs> I look for carriers that I've worked with in the past or that are coming out new. There's uh, trade shows for in the insurance industry where you can go and talk to carriers about taking the risk on. So hopefully in the next year or two, there will be new markets um, popping up. With that being said, uh, the question that kind of pops in my head, Kevin and, and Todd, and as well as Todd, I mean, Preston, um, when you have, have a, an event, have somebody that wants to be a part of USAC, is it part of your responsibility or part of the fact that you, you you look at their rules and their 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 needs. Do you have to kind of like sometimes get involved and say you can't do this? You got to change that. I know I heard somebody. You know, Todd does that with with the uh, um, snowmobile stuff. If you don't like what you see, is that part of what USAC's responsibility is to be able to get these people and give them the kind of protection that they're looking for? Absolutely. I mean that as a role of a sanctioning body you're now responsible for that event from a, from a safety aspect. So we do have to look at rules and feel comfortable. We can't just sanction somebody just to do it. Um, there's there's a, a wide degree of why we partner with certain people. Um, SRL Road Challenge is a great example. Great team of people, incredibly uh, attentive to, to what they do uh, before the race, after the race, but during competition, the medical car, the safety crew, um, all well thought out, well laid out plan. So when they talked about a sanctioning partnership with USAC, it made, there's not a lot USAC needed to come in to change in their direction. They were already very established in what they were doing versus, you know, Todd and Preston are dealing with smaller promoters, um, individual events, they're very similar roles, rally and, and snowmobile. They're dealing with small events, a guy who may have put on one event a year and has a volunteer staff that comes in and may be 50 volunteers to come in and run a rally for the weekend and they're new volunteers. So there's a lot of training. There's a safe, there's a complete safety plan that's developed on each event sent to Laura to review. Laura reviews it, may push back and say, you know, we need to have an ambulance sitting here. We need to have, um, for example, when, when, at every event we do for ISR, for snowmobiles, there's a long questionnaire filled out. What type of fencing do you have? What kind of spectator barrier do you have? How far away are the spectators from that barrier? 
Um, and it's a legal document that that promoter has to fill out and sign to state that he agrees he has ambulance on site, um, all these specific um, items that are legally binding that he's agreeing to, to make that an official ISR event. So yes, that's a very, very important question and foundational to what we have to do to make sure we protect everybody involved. Well, and, and I'll jump in here. So, you know, as Kevin mentioned, really our series is structured with individual events around the country. Um, and, you know, these, these events uh, promoters are really only doing a couple events a year. And so when we come in, you know, we start working with them six months in advance, developing that safety plan, uh, looking at the specific course that they're putting together. Um, and so we're having those talks well in advance of the events actually happening. And that's really where the structure of the safety plan comes from. And, and there's even been talks uh, within our group of, you know, should we have a set template for the safety plan? And generally we fall on no, because each event has enough unique character that you've really got to make sure that uh, you're paying attention to all those little details with each individual event because they are different. And so that's where that kind of uh, approach comes from, you know, with support from USAC, but uh, you know, it sounds like Todd and certainly myself really take the lead when you're working with, with these events, uh, just because there are those little differences between them that from a risk mitigation standpoint really need to be paid attention to and and can create a big enough difference that you know if we don't necessarily do our job of of uh, looking at different situations then it can cause problems for participants and event organizers and facilities or or whatever it comes down to and i, I think preston you know not some, sometimes the best laid plans aren't followed and we've we've had we've seen incidents like that this year fortunately there was no injuries but at post event um, sometimes in a rally, you see things post-event, you look at it and said, well, that's not what we should have been doing as a group. And we have to lay a little harder um, policies down for the next year that says, look, this is not, not acceptable. Um, and it could have been a photographer on the course in an area that we didn't deem safe. Um, but those things are what leads to issues later on. We're, we have to look out to be proactive about these things and sometimes it's not a comfortable conversation with the promoter. And sometimes we have to go to the promoter and say, we won't be back if we, this isn't followed our way uh, because we can't put ourselves and our, and our, our organization at that risk if, if people are not following the rules specifically. Um, we have another series called Sand Outlaw Drag Racing. It's side-by-side uh, -side sand rails uh, drag racing in, 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 in the sand. Um, relatively safe. Um, the speeds are, are real high because you're, you're, you're going through sand. Um, but at, at some of those events, if you look at online and they're not USAC sanctioned, uh, you see a lot of people standing around the course um, with no barriers. And, and there's so many different varieties of people running motorsports. And what we have to do is take that, that higher road that when you do have a USAC sanctioned event, it's, it's gonna be held to a different standard than just your buddies out doing the same thing um, in, in, in the outdoors. So that's extremely important. You know, as USAC has evolved to kind of more of an extreme sanctioning body with rally and off-road, things that jump, like some wheels and trucks that jump, um, 
yeah, it's a little bit more dangerous, but we're, we're also doing it in a confined area with safety people in place. Um, and, and that's where we have to keep a very, very good track record so we can continue those relationships uh, ongoing and be pr properly uh, protected by everybody. The question I got for you now, listen to, and are you, you guys, do you go out of the United States? I mean, do you go to Canada? Do you go to Mexico? Or do you have any kind of international uh, involvement, uh, not just here in the United States? Because, you know, I'm, I get, kind of get the feeling that you're predominantly um, a United States driven organization, but do you go international? Um, we do. And Todd, I'll, I'll let Todd, Todd is the, organization that mostly goes out of the U.S. So Todd, why don't you explain mm -hmm. ISR? We do a lot of being snowmobile in the snow belt. We do a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in, uh, in Winnipeg, a uh, little town called Beaujolais. Uh, we do some stuff up in uh, Valcour, which is uh, Bombardier's headquarters there. They put on a large event. Um, so we do get into Canada and uh, we, we do the Iron Dog in Alaska. Uh, I, I'll actually be going to that event this year um, that follows the Iditarod Trail. And um, so the, the, the main thing is when we go to these events, a lot of times people will, I'll, I'll show up at an event and they're like, oh, oh, ISR is here. You know, it's like, we're not here to, we're just here to help. We're another set of eyes, you know, and we might tell them to put a barrier over here or, or maybe do it this way. And, and by doing that and, and not necessarily going to your best events, you know, go to some of your smaller events and uh and help them uh pretty much your your best events got it got it covered but even even then some of your best events sometimes they want to try to change something up and uh and they're not thinking about it you know and say oh we want to make it we want to make it cool spectacular and i said whoa 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 stop hold on what about this and and that's where the the training comes in when, when you the more sets of eyes that you can put at a racetrack the better you are because they, they see that kind of stuff you know um, when we also deal with the manufacturers directly in the snowmobile world, I, I deal with all, uh, for, uh, uh, race directors. And when we come up with a problem, like, like junior kids racing a bunch of different kinds of sleds, we'll put stuff together, uh, in some test patterns, work with them, work with a way of limiting the sleds. And, um, and again, the, the whole group as a group we've grown our youth racing, which has grown uh, our program immensely, so. Yeah, Todd, Todd, Todd actually, they actually come up with things from the racetrack, um, from a safety perspective that actually make their way back into production at times with, with limiting things. So the feedback from ISR directly to the manufacturers evolves production snowmobiles over time. Well, it, it sounds like to me that, you know, USAC is, is continuing to be that watchdog that try to, you know, protect ourselves from ourselves, if, if I'm assuming correctly what I'm hearing here. Well, you know, that goes in many different degrees, whether it's pushing the envelope mm -hmm. on, on rules for performance, which is part of the St. Junior Body's job, you know, and, and keeping everybody in check on the rules and technology advances and keeping titanium and carbon fiber and, um, you know, things of, of very costly nature motorsports, keeping them at bay to help keep the fairness and cost level for everybody or from tire technologies or uh, people uh, trying to enhance the spec tire that, that may be the program. It's, it's part of the sanctioning body's role is 
tried, I, I, I want to say that in 1956, the charter for USAC says that we're, we're here to ensure safe um, competition for all. And it is interesting. People have asked me, well, what is the business model? What's the business mission for USAC? Actually, Mark Miles from uh, IndyCar asked me that one day, and I, I was stunned because I really didn't have an answer. Uh, we don't have, you know, we're a, a 501c6 nonprofit organization. We don't have investors to give back money to. Uh, not that we make a ton of money here, um, but we, we're, our mission and our charter is to provide safe automobile racing in the United States. We were founded by Tony Holman, who was the owner of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And from whatever, 1911, their first great 1909, their first races over there, to 1955, AAA was the sanctioning body for a lot of motorsports in America. In fact, if you go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum, all the historical trophies, beautiful trophies, by the way, are all AAA on them. And in 1955, there was a tragedy uh, in Europe and many fans, spectators were killed in the grandstand um, from a fiery crash at Formula One. And uh, that essentially shut down AAA overnight. They said overnight in the United States, we are um, you know, motoring insurance company. We can't put ourselves at risk in, in, in motorsports. So Tony Holman, the next day, um, founded United States Auto Club. Sounds like a AAA. Um, and that was the beginning of USAC was for the purpose of providing the sanctioning backbone of IndyCar and Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I think within, you know, our series, Kevin mentioned earlier, kind of investing in the technology side and kind of touched on one of the big changes we made this year, which was GPS tracking for each individual competition car. You know, again, with Rally, you're, you're spread out over, at times, hundreds of miles, you know, kind of uh, across a big footprint. And so, um, you know, I, I approached uh, Kevin and the team within USAC and said, you know, I think this will be a big benefit to the series from a competition and from a safety side. And, you know, they've shown with several different instances that, yes, we want to invest in that sort of technology and, and, uh, and you know, yes, part of it's risk mitigation, but also uh, it's really feature additives for the competitors. And so, um, you know, in, insurance, of course, is a boring side of it, but that's only one part of the uh, safety that they're bringing to to the different series, and certainly ours included, uh, is is that investment in growing the sport uh, from from that safety standpoint. Preston, why don't you explain um, the Rally Safe program, and just from a perspective of of what happens on the technology side to help protect people when a car may go off track on a rally that's eight miles away in the middle of the woods. Explain what sure. happens technology-wise. Yeah, so so again, the the footprint of rallies are pretty spread out. You know, we're racing on sections of roads, um, and so it's it's not feasible for us to have a person even every mile, you know, at times. And so uh, these cars kind of go off into the woods and, and, you know, you won't know a car is off the track until potentially that next car that arrives at the scene of the crash. And so what we saw was these gaps in the response times uh, for an emergency situation, whether it's an injury or a fire or, or anything like that. Um, and so they kind of tasked me with really looking 
uh, to change that, you know, so that we can, um, you know, lower the risk, but also keep the competitor safer. And I ended up looking worldwide and this rally safe system was actually developed in Australia and it's used in the world rally championship. So the largest rally uh, series in the world. And uh, we looked at their technology and, and what really changed is uh, when you have a crash, it actually has G sensors inside of uh, the units themselves that are installed in every vehicle. And so we're able to get mm -hmm. uh, basically information from the cars every tenth of a second from G-forces to speeds to, um, and then they also have the ability to send us direct messages. So, you know, car catches on fire, there may not be a G situation or, or an impact, uh, but they're actually able to send us a message through that unit, regardless of where they are, um, that says, you know, hey, we need fire response or or medical response, you know, if it's that situation. And so it cut our response times uh, pretty dramatically. Um, average response time that we saw in rally was about 20 minutes, give or take, uh, two incidents. And we already had um, several examples this year where our responses were under 10 minutes. And so, you know, from, from a safety standpoint, that's a pretty dramatic change. I have yeah, to yeah, echo that. I mean, I had a privilege one time of going and covering a world rally event in Finland. And I was totally amazed the amount of territory that these rally races can cover. And to your point, uh, being able to know exactly where uh, a vehicle is with the, the driver and, and co-pilot uh, is, is huge. And to be able to have that kind of an effect in such a short period of time by bringing in a new system, uh, my hat's off to you because I can only imagine being inside of a vehicle that's had a, uh, a crash and you're waiting and, and thinking nobody cares and nobody's coming. Uh, I think that uh, that bodes well about, you know, what this USAC is bringing to the table for not only for that series, um, but for any series that you guys are involved with. Yeah, the, the great thing about that, that system is it, it notifies race control directly when the, the car is stopped when there's a significant G-force, but it also notifies the car behind it who may be approaching that as they approach the car that may be on course but wrecked, the, the car coming behind it, which is one or two minutes behind, it's telling that car, hey, look, there's danger coming up in ahead because there's a car down. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, a, it's a great tool for rally racing. Uh, highly elevated our safety um, and our risk mitigation in that sport. And that was implemented uh, this year, correct? Yep, Preston? yeah, th this um, year was, we started looking at this year, but starting January, first event, we, uh, we implemented it. And, and the feedback from competitors has been pretty universal on, uh, you know, we hope it's here to stay and, and from our perspective it is. So, and, and yeah, to, to Kevin's point, uh, that system actually showed it just this last weekend. We were in Oregon and Washington with a race and, and had a car that had rolled several times and was actually blocking the road around a blind corner. And because of that car-to-car -car communication, the car that was approaching that crash knew about it uh, about 500 meters before they got to that corner. So they were able to slow mm -hmm. down and actually come to a stop. And, and, you know, of course, uh, fortunately everyone was unharmed, but, uh, the worst possible scenario in that is you come around the corner and T-bone that car that's already crashed. And, and with this system, um, it, uh, it shouldn't happen, but at least there's the opportunity to inform other competitors as they're approaching something like that. 
real quick, gentlemen, I, I, I don't want to shortcut you. We know we're getting kind of close on time, but Jeff, was I got a question for you there, and I'm going to throw it up to Kevin to begin with. What is the driving SRO growth? Is it looking to expand into new regions and markets? What I'm sorry, drive, what is driving SRO's growth? Yes. Okay. Well, SRO is a sanctioned series to us, but um, SRO, uh, you know, Stefan Riddell of, over in Europe, who owns the whole franchise worldwide, they are significant, showing significant growth. Uh, SRO in the United States is, is uh, they've had many races. Uh, they've exceeded 100 cars. They had 41 cars at their uh, eight-hour race at Indy here. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a very well-run program, an incredible organization worldwide. Um, and, and they've got a compelling schedule, uh, a great value proposition for drivers. Uh, and road racing right now, um, it's doing very well. It's a healthy, it's a healthy environment. So uh, SRO, just under the leadership of Greg Gill um, in the U.S., I, I much uh, respect Greg and the organization that he brings, but they run a very professional organization and put on great events. Um, and that's really, it's not, not a secret. That's what the, the growth is about. Well, at the same time, I want to reiterate, you know, what we started with here originally. USAC has been around a long time, has definitely got a record to uh, show how they handle and manage uh, things around the country and around uh, everything that they're involved with, you know, from snowmobile racing to rally racing. I mean, you guys have been a mainstay, and now you're still continuing to be a guy, an organization that has a banner of saying, look, we know how to protect our own, to help protect yourself. We'll help you with organizing and getting in the right programs as far as insurance coverage, but also making sure you're not getting ready to step off into doing something. Uh, when we say that, we talk about the watchdog part of it. We can help you make sure you have an organization that's safe, can keep in your competitors as well as your spectators safe. You know, Kevin, you guys are just doing an outstanding job. I just want you to know that. Thanks, thanks, Jeff. We appreciate the time today. Well, everybody's been watching. We want to thank you for being with us today. And the thing is, uh, as we move forward toward the end of the season, as far as uh, uh, Epartrate's concerned, we got the industry uh, week coming up here in just two and a half weeks, all the great companies and that have been a part of it. I uh, just want to say thank you, ARP, for uh, also being a part of the webinars that we've been hosting each and every Wednesday. And uh, hopefully, you know, Francis and Judy will be back here in a moment and uh, we'll put, a, put wraps on this. But again, thank you to everybody with USAC for spending time with us, Kevin, Laura, Preston and Todd. Uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, speak with you. And again, um, USAC has been that mainstay in, in uh, motorsports for many, many years. It looks like they're going to be around for many years to come. Con continue success with uh, what you have brought. And um, I look forward to hopefully crossing paths somewhere uh, in the near future at a racetrack or an event. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. That's warm.
Thank you. Thank you very much. And as we said, when we started, Kevin, you have done such a brilliant job in the last 15 years, you know, to grow uh, uh, USAC to where it is today. And so uh, congratulations. And, you know, not everyone wants to hear about, you know, insurance and accident and dealing with that, but that's our series is for the business. It's for the industry. And that's really important because that there's a lot of questions being asked. Uh, this is not, a, you know, a platform or series we produce for race fans. This is really for the you know people within the business to learn and educate. And so thank you so much for doing that today with us. Uh, so Preston, we're going to see you in a couple of weeks. You're going to represent uh, USAC uh, during Race Industry Week. We are waiting the final confirmation with the WRC, but we're going to be basically putting you back to back uh, with them. And uh, that's going to be a really, really uh, fascinating week. So again, thank you very, very much for uh, watching us today. The webinar has been recorded. It will be posted on the ePortrait platform later today and in our YouTube channel. We're going to take a little break with the series until mid-January to get ready for Race Industry Week. In the meantime, you can watch the past 130 uh, some episodes uh, that are on the ePortrait platform and learn as much as you uh, can about the industry. So thank you very, very much. And we'll see you at 6 a.m. Pacific on November 29th with uh, Mr. Jeff Hammond and everybody on, correct? Sounds okay. good. Very good. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Registering on ePartrade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose claim company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose join company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.